oftentimes when we listen, that's just a function of us preparing to speak. And a lot of times we are hearing words, but it doesn't mean that we're taking in what's being said and digesting it. People use language sometimes in different ways, and we may need time to unpack what's being said. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Heart Inspired, the show dedicated to highlighting individuals in their pursuit of authentic leadership. We peel back the layers to uncover the roadblocks we all face, explore the actions we can take, and how to persevere towards the best version of ourselves. It is my hope that you'll be inspired by their story and gain some insights to help you in your own journey. We live in a time when five generations work side by side, each with different experiences and ways of communicating. Whether it's within corporate America, sports, or the arts, all age groups are looking for authentic, inspiring leaders. We need leaders to model compassion, empathy, and patience in the workplace. In this series, I sat down with amazing leaders who shared their insight on what has worked for them and what is needed today. Join us to discover how necessary, effective communication and leadership skills help all generations succeed. Don Gatewood is the co-founder and CEO of the initiative Baltimore. Don is a professional leadership consultant and the host of his own podcast, Leadership and Professional Development with Don Gatewood. For 21 years, Don has led several nonprofit initiatives in Detroit and Washington, D.C. His passion for leading teams in operations, strategic planning, communications, and more has brought value to several organizations, including the Red Cross and Goodwill Industries of Greater Detroit and Washington, and the Center of Workforce Inclusion. In today's episode, Don will share his insights on some of the obstacles leaders face today and how important it is to have patience and grace. Please welcome my guest, Don Gatewood. Hello, Don. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. I'm super excited to be here with you today. I'm excited that uh, to have you here. Um, you know, when we first met and you shared some of your journey, I felt like we were clicking right away, having a good time laughing and, and talking about some serious matters when it comes to leadership and, you know, some patience and grace. And um, so I would love to start with with you and and how did you get into this field of leading others and um, the work, some of the work that you're doing today? Absolutely. So I've been in the workforce leadership space for well over 20 years. Mm. And I got into the position in this particular position, I would say as early as 18, 19 years old, where I started because I'm from Detroit, Michigan. And while going to college, I started working at a nonprofit organization that we work with young women who were 11 years old to 18 years old, and they had been removed from their homes. So they had difficult wow. scenarios that led to them being removed. And so my job was to be a leader in a number of capacities for these young, beautiful women who were smart, brilliant, and intelligent. They just had circumstances that were not always fair. And so with that being said, my job was to help bridge the gap and help them to continue to grow and develop. And it was that experience that opened my eyes to the fact that there are so many of us brave and brilliant human beings that sometimes are dealt a hand of cards that's not always fair, doesn't always have the right cards. And some of the cards are twisted up and all folded up and wrinkled. And yet <laughs> we're expected to 
uh, play the game and play the game to win, even though we don't always have the same equipment as as the other people. Absolutely. And so, and so that it really opened up my eyes in that moment, the tender age of 19, 20 years old, when I started that position. And I said to myself, wow, I like being in a position where I can help individuals overcome a barrier or a challenge so that they can achieve their goal, whatever that goal might be. Mm-hmm. And it was that experience with those young women that put that idea in my brain in a very strong and impactful way. And I, I credit that as to how I've had this really um, exciting career in workforce and leadership for the past 20, almost 25 years now. Wow. So let me ask you a question. These young women, which I love the way you put it, that they, you know, the cards are not always dealt the same, right? No, and so no, we can't no. judge people for the cards that they were dealt. No. But you were young yourself. I was. And so how did that work? What was that dynamic like that they interacted with you being not that much older than them? Right. There were, well, at the time I also was in college, I was, you know, headed quickly toward my degree. I went to Wayne State University and I had recently become an an alpha. I pledged a fraternity in in college, which was one of my dreams. And so that dream came true for me. And that was one of the pinnacles of of the fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, just that, you know, working with the community and being a a, a bomb, if you will. And so it kind of it was a lot of training that was happening for me. And that training I was able to apply to that particular Got position. It. But yeah, I absolutely was young. And in some ways, it allowed me an opportunity to connect and to relate. And that was another key thing that I've learned then and I understand now. We all are running around here, professional this, you know, we have doctor, you know, JD degrees and all this professional stuff. But at the core of it all, we're just human beings interacting with each other. Yep. And what that position taught me is, you know, the degrees, the education, the experience, the skill, all that matters. Don't get me wrong. We should strive for whatever your goals are. But in the end, you are a human being with other human beings and how we engage, how we experience, how we support and acknowledge one another is the key toward success, in my humble opinion. Mm. And and that experience helped me really to prioritize the, the, the human being, you know, over you know, all that other stuff. And, yeah. and I think that that's, that's really key to being successful with working with people. You were doing this kind of work, which mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, first of all, it, giving to somebody else and lifting somebody else is, it, that's a gift for themselves, for the person mm-hmm. who's giving like yourself. Correct. You were mentoring these young ladies and seeing positive uh, growth, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, maybe getting on a different path that's better for them. Who was your mentor to help you in building that strength? Because sometimes when somebody is unloading their experiences, Mm -hmm. we have two choices. We can either take it in and it can take us down, or we can take it in and give them a different lens to look at it in another way so that it doesn't impact us. But if it did impact you, who was there for you? It definitely had an impact on me because while there were moments when we saw success, of course, it wasn't just me. There was a whole team of other adults uh-huh. that were a part of this um, experience. And we leaned on each other. You know, we certainly learned from one another. 
I was, you know, privileged enough to, you know, work with people who had been in the industry longer than me. So I benefited from that. But also I can say for me, I was lucky enough to have an upbringing with a a mom and and a dad, as well as, you know, cousins who were very close to my age. So there were certain experiences that I I had and I would say even privileges. Sometimes you don't see a privilege as a privilege when you are given so many things in life. You just see it as, oh, this is just you take it for granted. And I think that's why people have such a hard time understanding what privilege is, because when you've had it for so long, you don't always see it as a privilege. But it's the fact that others don't have it. It's which is what makes it a privilege. Oh, my gosh. Say that again. (laughs) That is just so powerful because you're absolutely right. Yeah. Say it again. A privilege when right. you don't. Yeah. Yeah. A privilege. A privilege is something that you have. And sometimes you take it for granted because you've always had it and you've assumed it just to be. But what makes it a privilege is the fact that there are so many other people who don't have that thing that you have and that you take yeah. for granted. And that fact is what makes it a privilege. That's beautiful. It It is. And it's, it's such a difficult concept for people to get. But it's it's something that I think we all need to strive harder to understand. And so for and so for me, with many of my privileges, I understood them more when I was with the young women. And I was thinking, whoa, some of the things that I've taken for granted, this whole cohort of young women didn't have some of these core things that I know I am in the position that I'm in today because of those things. Right. And without those things, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, that is that is it's humbling. It's it's certainly it's certainly uh, eye opening. And that motivated me. That fact motivated me a lot. And so while there were challenges and there were difficulties, I certainly didn't feel that the difficulties were insurmountable. And it was never a moment where I felt like overall, I can't do this anymore. Certainly there were moments where temporarily I could have felt that way. But once I was able to process what happened, resolve the issues, I've been able to just keep it moving. That's awesome. So um, let's move on. You've had, so you've been mentoring those, you were in college, you Mm -hmm. graduate. And then what was next for you? How did you move that mentorship and that leadership um, into your career and workforce? Absolutely. So I ultimately began, um, my career fresh out of college with a degree in uh, public relations. And so my experience continued in the nonprofit field. And I've been a nonprofit uh, professional for the entire duration of my career. I've only been in the nonprofit space. And I had an opportunity to work for an organization called Focus Hope. And Focus Hope is an organization for in Detroit, Michigan, where I'm from. But we work with people Uh, to help them overcome different societal challenges, to help them achieve their goals, education goals, Um, whether it was engineering, whether it was IT, whether it was childcare, that's what the organization focused on. So again, although I was in that communication space with my degree, technically I was working with an organization that worked with people 
who were overcoming uh, barriers and we prioritize education and workforce. And so it just it happened for me. That wasn't the plan. I wasn't seeking that out, but I guess it was divine intervention. And so that experience, it kept got me closer and closer. And then I began working for another organization that you may have heard of called Goodwill Industries. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And I work with the prisoner reentry program. I work with men who are coming out of prison and I was directly, I was the instructor for workforce. And so it was that experience that got me knee deep into it. I was working with the population that some would call a very difficult, but I saw that opportunity as one of the greatest chances to help uh, people get the skills they need to get reintegrated back into society. So it's one of my crowning achievements, I I must say. And uh, that was the moment when I got knee deep into that workforce, that leadership and seeing the transformation and the education happen on the smallest of scales and on the largest of scales. It certainly gave me the momentum to say, this is the area that I like. I'm effective in it. I'm passionate about it. And I can see myself for the next 20, 30 years in some capacity working mm. at leadership and workforce. And that that was the nail right at that moment. Wow. So let me ask you, you worked with young women at a young age whose cards may have had a little nick and tuck on the ends. You've worked with emerging men who are back into um, society who mm-hmm. may have gone down a different path. Correct. Um, you know, the similarities of those of of people in those two situations is that survival basic survival is what they know right and basic so there's survival, that yes. defense of protect me and everything else doesn't matter as long as i'm protected right did you see that as a wall that you were able to penetrate and break down so that they could be more open to other possibilities for a different path Right. Well, the interesting that's a really interesting question. I'm glad you asked it. The thing about, you know, all of us is usually our needs are so complex that it's what we need is just beyond just one person or one service. So while I do think that I had an impact in one way, uh, the truth is they oftentimes needed support in other areas, too, mm-hmm. because when you talk about developing workforce and talk about developing leadership, you know, if your family life isn't OK, if other things aren't stable, it's yeah. difficult to really, you know, be successful or to you know go full steam ahead in one area when the other areas are maybe crumbling and not as strong. So that's the reason why there were so many supports that that were needed and that yeah. we strive to have in place. And I think that that's the same for any of us as professionals, as we're seeking to to achieve our goals. You know, we oftentimes have to have supports in different places because it's not always about, you know, achieving our job goals and career goals. But what about those other areas in life and how might they inform your success? So it's the same thing, just a different context, but the same thing ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what do you see um, aside from those two groups of individuals that you've worked with, what do you see are some of the biggest obstacles that leaders or emerging leaders face to right. to get over that hurdle of what we all call 
day in a life of. <laughs> right. Well, here's the good news. The good news oh, is- Oh, there's good news. There's good really, news. really good news. The good news is we are in a place in society where so much computer literacy, digital literacy happens naturally. You have little babies, you know, four months old that are able to unlock phones and find <laughs> games and play games by themselves. It's just impressive. Yeah. And as a result, many of our, you know, our workforce that's more on the younger side, they're naturally going into a space where there's a higher level of literacy when it comes to digital and computers and the classrooms, the libraries, the cell phones. So that's the good news. A lot of skills people are coming to the table with. One of the challenges, though, are, I would say, the area of what some people call soft skills or foundational skills. Yes. I think that because there's been so much development with computers and video games and so much of our lives being spent in front of a computer screen. Right. We text, we don't talk to individuals. (laughs) And so those communication skills, those conflict resolution skills, those teamwork skills, working with one another, you know, encouraging one another, being appropriate and measured in how we share, those skills are lacking for a great deal of people in a professional space. Yeah. And we find ourselves with a lot of conflict in professional spaces because people aren't always equipped with the tools to deal with, oh, my gosh, I don't like what she's saying or, oh, my gosh, I disagree or this person said this. I don't know what that means. How should I respond to it? And so it's those foundational skills that people are lacking much more. Yeah. So that's an area that we have to continue to focus on. How might we develop our professionals? Because sure, you can go to school and get the degree in engineering or get the certification or take the the class, you know, whatever, you know, to become a construction worker. But now you got that skill and you're amazing. But now you have to deal with your teammate. You have to problem solve. You have right. to negotiate. You have to be on the same page. And this in that area where I think we're struggling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the empathy. It's the compassion. It's, you know, not everybody's wired the same way. No, they're not, not. everybody receives information the same way. No, they don't. We don't learn the same way. Oh, no, we do not. And so, you know, we're looking at, well, why can't they get it? I just gave them instruction. Why don't they understand? And that frustration Correct. just builds more and more distrust, yes. distance, and everything else. Distance, disease. Exactly. And, and it turns into misunderstanding and these notions of this person isn't a good fit or right. for our culture. And yeah. it just sometimes turns into things that it ought not turn into because the truth is we all have an opportunity to break ourselves and to be in a position to better understand everything that you just said. People learn, understand, and operate different. And we have to give space and latitude for those differences. And that just isn't an area where uh, people oftentimes focus on when we talk about the education process. Mm. We're really focused on learning the technical skills. But as we are becoming a more 
gosh, global society as we're working with people over Zoom. Look at you and I now. We're not in person. We're not in the right. studio together. We're on Zoom. <laughs> and that gives us two so different much, states, two different states. But it's just like we're next to each other. So it gives exactly. us more access. And that's wonderful. But we have to be able to better meet each other where we are and find the opportunity to grow from that space. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so tell me a little bit about, you know, in the work that you're doing in the nonprofit, Mm -hmm. we talked a lot about the basic soft skills. What's the, if you could name one or two that are really the intro of when somebody has their defense up that wall, they know the tactical skills, but they, they need to start to uncover the soft skills to help succeed. What are two that you would say are the most important or the ones that you would intro first or work on first? Right. Well, I think, and this is going to sound so basic. I know when I say it, people are going to be like, that isn't high level, but it kind (laughs) of is. And I would say listening, listening. I think that oftentimes when we listen, we're just, that's just a function of us preparing to speak. Yes. Um, And a lot of times we are hearing words, but it doesn't mean that we're taking in what's being said and digesting it and understanding it. Uh, People use language sometimes in different ways, and we may need time to unpack what's being said. What Mm. does this person mean? Mm. And so that listening piece is essential. How many times have you been in scenarios or conflict with people, even personal? And when you pull back the layers of that onion, you begin to understand someone didn't hear each other. That's not what I said. That is not what I meant. That's not what you heard. But that is what you you thought you heard. Right. And so much conflict has happened because of the lack of listening. So I think that we have to take the time to be present. I think you've used that term before when, when you and I talked before and this idea of being present. Yeah. When you put yourself in a position where although you have tons of other things that are happening, when I'm talking to Michelle, this is the most important thing that's happening right now. And right. I need to be present in this moment to hear you. Right. Because if I'm multitasking, texting, emailing, answering phone calls, then there's an opportunity for me not to hear or understand vital information. Right. Now I'm confused. You're confused. And now we're off to some conflict. Really, that's a result of you and I not being present, listening and prioritize this moment so that we can get the best outcomes. So I think that that is probably the biggest challenge. Um, I think that people have to understand that this this idea of, you know, managing multiple things at one time, it can come at a great detriment. Yes. They say that scientifically, um, I've started using it, is that we don't multitask, we task switch. Yes. Because you, you can't do two things at the same time. You're actually switching different things. So yeah, and I, I have, it's a practice. It's something even today that I, you know, I catch myself and I have to switch and just say, okay, I'm focused right here and now. There's right nothing here, else that matters. Right now. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I think the, 
biggest area is I think that many of us think if we can have six screens up, we can have two Zoom meetings, do two reports and send six emails. And you have people bragging about being able to do that. And don't get me wrong. There are times when you have to do what you need to do to get the job done. Correct. We all get that. Let's be clear. Yeah. However, when it comes to actually communicating with another person, Mm. that conversation does deserve your presence and your attention. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number one, listening. What's number two? I think that not only when we talk about listening, but but also recognizing that at the end of the day, uh, the goal is to solve problems. The goal is always to solve a problem so that we can get toward a, a solution. And so we have to be focused on solving problems. And in order to solve a problem, we have to understand what is the problem. We have to understand how did the problem occur and what are some options that we have to to fix it so that we can move forward. We mm-hmm. have to be problem solvers because in any given day, there's tons of reasons why problems happen. Maybe like we just said, someone misheard each other or maybe something wasn't done. Maybe your boss did drop the ball. Maybe you dropped the ball. Okay, that's great. We know what happened, but now we have to resolve the issue. And I think that it's really easy to get caught up on, well, I didn't do it. It wasn't my fault. Oh, yeah. and, And it may be true. It wasn't your fault, but really that doesn't matter in this moment. The only thing that matters is that we can get this thing solved so we can move on. Right, right. So understanding what a problem is, the nature of a problem, and and getting it solved. Right. And not and spending the ownership, too much time. Yeah, yeah, the ownership of that problem, because if you're on a team, you all own it. Yeah. You know, whoever dropped it, but, you know. But in the moment when the person isn't able to own, I've been on teams before where, it's clear where the issue started from and the person just wasn't willing or able or interested in owning it for whatever reason. Right. And while on one end is really frustrating when that happens on the other end, we got to get through it so we can move on. And when teams of people aren't able to move it forward to resolve and move on, that's when teams are ineffective. Yeah. If you've ever wondered, how could all these brilliant people that are experienced and skilled not be successful? Usually it's because they can't get over each other's attitudes or they can't move on. And so they stay stuck in in fighting. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, the author who does the five dysfunctions of a team, Mm -hmm. Peter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that. that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so tell me about the um some of the work that you're doing today with how they're what's some of the things that you've seen to help them move back into the workplace. For me, one of the most important aspects of being successful in the workplace is understanding why you're in the position to begin with. Um, We talked about earlier about this whole concept of of problem solving. You were hired to fill in a gap within an agency to help solve whatever problem that it is. And I think that sometimes what we're experiencing is people are getting into positions and believing that, oh, you know, I got the degree, I got the background. And so I'm, you know, I'm qualified, you know, to be here. Great. 
But really, the qualified person is that person who is taking the time Mm -hmm. to understand um, how they um, can be a solution and and how they can fill in wherever the gaps are. And in some cases, filling in the gap may mean that you have to go a little bit outside of what you're paid to do. Sometimes we say, well, that's not my job. I'm not paid to do that. Yeah. But we're in a workspace now where those lines are even more blurred, especially yeah. if you're at a startup company and positions aren't even well-defined. So your right. job is basically whatever it needs to get done. That's right, the job. Right. I saw and, a quote today. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I saw a quote today that said, I don't get paid by the hour. I'm not paid hourly. I get paid for the value I bring mm-hmm. within that hour. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's very that's very true. Yeah. And I think that a lot of folks they struggle with that. They yeah. they struggle with understanding that you and your coworker can have the same job title and you all can have the basic same responsibilities, but they could be adding more value because of their willingness to listen and partner and yeah. work with teams to get the job done. You all have the same title, but you are not the same value. Your attitudes are not the same. Are you willing to go with the flow or are you combative? So all of those things are really key areas of the workforce that really are are, are driving components, especially as organizations are changing. They want people who are going to come in and help solve these problems. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. That's, that's it. And, you know, when you're, when you're applying and when you're, you know, doing that interview, you have to remember, it's not about me. It's not about I, it's about them. Correct. <laughs> that's very hard to sometimes it can be very separate difficult. Separate the two. Yeah, absolutely. It can, be, it can be very difficult because we can get into where, why is she being treated differently or he's yeah. being treated better or worse? And sometimes you just don't know what this person is doing in their contributions. And we need to try to focus in on getting the job done and try right. to focus less on some of those perceptions that ultimately will do us no good in the end. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to ask you in in all your work that you've seen um, and that you're doing today, um, how do you see imposter syndrome showing up for for some of the folks that you work with? Imposter syndrome. Well, <laughs> you know, the the workforce is is really competitive. And, you know, there's a lot of talent and skill out there. Yeah. And it's it's really easy to look at someone who you feel is so much better than you. And then you say, wow, you know, I shouldn't be here or they're better than me. I I can't see, you know, myself ever achieving where they are. They're smarter. They're 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 more successful. They have more education, more connected. And so I think it happens. I think it happens a lot. Um, But I think it happens more for people who really maybe have come from a background where they haven't seen um, certain experiences. Sometimes when you're entering into a workspace and maybe your parents didn't, you know, or your, your upbringing, you know, maybe you lived in a home where people didn't work in a certain professional space. And so now that you're in there, 
because you've gotten the credentials, you're thinking, well, do I deserve to be here? Or why mm. am I here? Or, you know, am I qualified to be here? Yeah. So I think that sometimes the imposter syndrome can happen, unfortunately, when a person comes from an environment where they are not used to seeing people like themselves in certain kinds of positions. And then when they get to those positions, they're wondering, should they even be there? Yeah, exactly. Men or women, do you see it more with one or the other? Well, I think it depends on the industry, you know, because I think that the way our workforce is set up, there are certain industries where it's known that, you know, the majority of this industry is women. For example, yeah. nursing. Overwhelmingly, nurses are women, although, you know, the number of men are growing. Yeah. And then you have other fields like engineering. Overwhelmingly, it's a male dominated industry, even though we have more women going into it now, it's still overwhelmingly male. So I think the more a person enters into a space where they feel that they're a minority or the only one, then they're more likely to perceive that they may not be good enough or do I really fit into this space in this culture? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so tell me with the leadership and the and the skills that you are doing uh coaching people with today what are some of the successes that you see absolutely well leadership it's gosh so i deal with the you know you know the leadership and the professional uh development and the professional development piece is more so around you know having the skills and the tools to be successful with, you know, getting getting the job, whether that's interviewing, negotiation, yeah. um, conflict resolution. And then the leadership, of course, is, you know, leading, inspiring. Um, and so what I would say is the area of negotiation, mm. I think, is where I've seen the biggest impact and the biggest success. And the reason why is because negotiation Although many people negotiate their salaries and their benefits, we're looking at about, you know, men are, you know, close to 70 percent of men negotiate and less women. Women are in the 50s, about 55 percent who negotiate, you know, their salaries and benefits. And so negotiations for many people is super scary because we as you talked about that imposter syndrome. It can start at that very point where you interview for a position and first of all, you don't even think you're going to get it. And so then (laughs) you get that call and they say, hi, we are excited to offer you the position and you're so happy you got offered this position at Microsoft or Google or this is a dream job for you. And then they offer you salary and compensation and you're thinking, whoa, I never thought I would be working here anyway. So I'm going to accept the compensation as they presented it to me. Yeah. And that's Big mistake. What, yeah, that's <laughs> what happens a lot. And people aren't negotiating. People oftentimes have a myth that if I negotiate, that means I'm being combative or they may think I'm being combative. I'm not satisfied with the job and they're going to rescind the job offer. Right. right. All which are false. That's not yeah. how any of this works. But people make these things up because of fear. 
And so for me, focusing on negotiation, the art of negotiation, what is it? How does it work? What are the tactics and the skills that make negotiations effective? Uh, What you should ask for, what's reasonable, what's not, and how do you decide if you should, you know, accept or not accept based off the negotiations. So that whole conversation piece has been probably the most effective and probably for the foreseeable future remain that way because I believe that negotiations will continue to be one of our, our biggest challenges in the workforce. Yeah. What some of the work that I do with, with uh, clients when it comes to the negotiation is first of all, like you said, that's not how it works. Companies are expecting you to have some kind of negotiation. It could be in the benefits. It could be for future uh, compensation. It could be for you know more PTO, whatever it is. With women, I think that we are we are definitely less. Um, I don't want to say forceful, aggressive, maybe in negotiating for ourselves. Correct. And so, when I talk to clients, I say, think about what's important for you and your entire family. What is the end goal for having this position? And so that kind of puts things in a different light versus, oh, it's just what I'm going to get bi-weekly. Correct. Correct. And then when we also think about negotiation, as you just mentioned, you know, one way of looking at it, of course, is the salary or the yeah. hourly wage, if that's. Yeah. But then, like you say, we have the benefits, whether it's the insurance. What about the vacation time? What about do they offer child care? Um, what are what are the things that you absolutely need yeah. to be successful? Exactly. Exactly. What are the things that you absolutely need, whether it's a salary, whether it's childcare, whether it's insurance? What are those things that you can possibly negotiate? Yep. What leverage do you have? And so yeah. taking that time to think about that in advance is key, but also understanding that you don't have to immediately say yes to a job offer. Right. When you are offered the position, which is such an exciting moment, um, it is important for you to ask for them to send over that that offer with the benefits written out. So you can take a look at it and assess exactly. what it is yeah. and decide you know, where it is that there could be some improvements or you can make some additional asks. But we yeah. have to be comfortable with asking. Right. You know, I'm so excited at the chance to work at your agency and I look forward to receiving, you know, the 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 offer with the benefits. I like some time to take a look at it. And yeah. that's okay to ask. Ask absolutely. If you don't ask, you don't you don't get or you don't know. So Right. And and it's also important and it's also important to start thinking about what you want before you even start looking yeah. for a position to think about what is the salary range? What are the benefits? Right. Uh, negotiations is just not about salary. It's about so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Don, this has been so great talking to you about leadership and and having some patience with with others and and being able to mentor those who, you know, may not have gotten the same deck of cards that you or I or some others who who um, you know, are are paving the way for them to keep moving forward. So um, it's really been a great conversation with you today. So um, 
Tell us a little bit about where, you know, you're working in the nonprofit sector mm-hmm. and you're doing some other, you have your own podcast as well. Tell tell the uh, listeners where they can find you or, you know, how you connect with people. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well, of course, well, my website is my name is www.dongatewood, D-O-N-G-A-T-E-W-O-O-D.com. So it's dongatewood.com. We'll have that in the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And so I do have a a podcast, as you mentioned, that focuses on leadership and professional development. It's called Leadership and Professional Development with Don Gatewood. And um, it's really been an exciting opportunity uh, to help showcase some of the things that people should think about. Uh, but I do consulting as well. I do one-on-one consulting. I you know, partner with groups, organizations, religious institutions that want to have someone come in and to offer some insight on negotiations or interviewing. So I'm that guy that is called in to lead those discussions and workshops, which is super exciting. And so that's that's where my passion is. And that's what I want to continue to do. Um, we have so much amazing talent. Uh, within our younger people, within our professionals that have been in the field looking to go into another area. But we just have to be able to hone in on what our needs are and what our skills are and how we may be able to grow those so that we can get the positions that we deserve and that we want. That's great. Well, um, it's you are definitely um, I think you had a calling (laughs) (laughs) and you're doing all the right things. So um, we, I appreciate you and I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your insight um, as it it relates to leadership and having some patience and grace with those who may not have all the right uh, tools to begin with, but can certainly um, develop those tools and become great leaders. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, thank you again. We will make sure that we have all of your contact information and little bio on you in the show notes. I appreciate you and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. This has been awesome. And I uh, really appreciate what you're doing, the content that you're putting out. And I appreciate having a chance to speak with you today. This has been great. Great. Have a great day. Be well. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with a brand new episode of the Heart Inspired Podcast. Until then, I'm your host, Michelle Delgado. And don't forget to lean in, be heard, be inspired. This podcast was created by Heartmetrics Consulting, editing and co-produced by David Castle Productions, and co-distributed by Business Travel 360. For more information about Heartmetrics Consulting, visit us at heartmetrics.com. Heartmetrics.com.